0: Hey guys, welcome to another episode of Off Track. We are on episode number 2 this week. Uh we are officially on Apple Podcasts, we are on Google Podcasts, we are on Spotify, we are on Stitcher. We are now pretty much on any podcast platform that you may have heard of and some that I hadn't even heard of. So there's no excuses for you guys not to at least uh give us a shot. So Today, of course, we're going to talk about the famous Race 1000, the Chinese Grand Prix and uh, our winners and losers of that race. And of course, we'll go off track for a little bit and also discuss uh, what's coming up in the Azerbaijan Grand Prix. So with, you know, China was a, was a pretty interesting interesting race. I think there was a, a lot of people didn't care much for it, uh-huh, Gabe. Um, but I think there were, you know, there's some interesting storylines beyond the, beyond the top six. What did you, what did you think, Gabe?
1: Yeah, I mean, I think it wasn't as thrilling as last year's with that performance that we saw from Ricardo, but still, I don't, I don't, I don't think it was, you know, a sleepy Grand Prix. There was still a lot of action going around.
0: Yeah, I agree. I think, you know, if we, if we want to talk about winners and losers, um obviously aside from Lewis who's the literal winner, Alex Albon of course had that monster race where he had to to start out from the from pit row and uh finishing P10. So that was good on him. Um he's just what in his uh th- third race in Formula 1 and he's already scored points in in two out of three races, so that's that's a pretty good track record. Um, for me also ricardo 's p seven is a is a moral victory for him. We talked about this in the first episode we don 't expect expect ricardo to to do great things with this Renault until possibly maybe towards the end of the season when he gets used to to his new ride but p seven for him and in his third race and this new team and what 's could be argued as a inferior car to his Red Bull is is a pretty good result for him, and of course another winner for me is uh, Gasly with uh, P six and the fastest lap point. Um, I think he's it, it. It's never been a it's never been a, a doubt that that Red Bull is now officially Max's Max Verstappen's team. But for Gosley to, you know, I think we talked in the last episode too that he's obviously under pressure to do better, and I think this this could be a big confidence booster for him, mm-hmm. even if he consistently finishes, you know, P six, P five, and eventually, you know, gets gets a, a podium here and there. I think he's he's you know getting used to the to a bigger spotlight than uh, than uh, what he was previously used to. What about you, Gabe? What do you think were some of the some of the winners? Yeah, I mean,
1: I like what you mentioned. I agree, Ricardo. I agree, Gasly, just going for uh, coming in for pit stop to put in softs to pursue the 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 fastest lap. I th- I thought that was a bold move. He's he's really trying to come back. So that, that was that was nice to see. I think we have to mention Botas. Because, in the last episode, we both were not very <laughs> confident you know of his abilities, and the guy comes out and a scores full position, granted it was a it was by a slim margin, but still it sends a message that he may be this year a lot stronger than he has been in the past, so I think we need to keep an eye on him because Maybe he's not thrown in the towel just yet. Another winner for me was Raikkonen. He, he reminded me a little bit of his Lotus times. Yeah,
0: absolutely. You know,
1: he, he was like fighting and overtaking, blocking, being overtaken and coming. It, it was just fun to watch. And it's amazing that the guy is, what, almost 40 years old. He still has it in him. He's a clean, honest driver. He doesn't resort to some of the tactics that some of the other drivers, the younger ones, especially uh, throwing other drivers off track. Uh Uh, (laughs) (laughs) He's clean. He's honest. I mean, he holds his line. It's It's just fun to watch. Yeah, yeah,
0: that's a that's a really good point. And when we were first talking about doing the first episode, we had discussed doing, you know, a uh, season preview because, but we, then we we decided to scrap that segment because we were already two races in and so we didn't want to be like oh well yeah of course you think this guy's good because you already saw him for two races but I had already taken put down some notes on what I was thinking what each team was going to do in the season and I wrote exactly that about Kimi that um, I was thinking that he was going to be kind of like when he was in the Lotus those two years that he's gonna just dry squeeze every every possible ounce he can out of that out of that car and do the best he can and that's exactly what he's shown us so far
1: right absolutely so those would be my my winners now what why have you got for losers
0: why don't you go first
1: okay well, right off the start, I don't know if you saw it was quick, but the cameras showed it and the replay showed it for stopping spinning on parade lap. I mean, I don't know that this guy is just he, he, I'm an old- timer. He reminds me of Nigel Mansell uh, a lot in the sense that. Nigel Mansell was one of the most talented drivers that I've seen. He had amazing car control. Uh, amazing, like saving from spins or coming back from spins. And Mark Max Verstappen has that. But also, like Mansell, sometimes this guy makes the most childish of mistakes. You know, he's trying to warm up his tires and spins.
0: Yeah, that's true. Well, let's just hope he uh, doesn't end up having to push his car to the finish line like Mansell had to do one time.
1: Huh, that That is right. That was 1984. He pushed his Lotus and passed out. If you guys haven't seen it, go to YouTube, check this out. It's a pretty funny video to watch.
0: I think it was the 84 U.S. Grand Prix when it was in Dallas. And I think they used to do that race in, in June and uh, both of us having lived in texas we can tell you that it gets pretty hot in dallas in june Um, so to push a a a race car in a fire retardant suit uh yeah you're probably gonna pass out Uh, a loser for me Haas could have gone on to do some some better things. I think they uh, ended up essentially turning into a ham sandwich because uh, uh, Magnussen and, and Grosjean ended up with a with a racing point in between them, and then you know the two black cars and the pink one kind of reminded me of a ham sandwich when I saw the the vis- visualization of it. There's a there's a great site called a great Instagram account called F1 Visualized. And uh, if you look at the the end of it, it kind of reminds you of a little, you know, uh, ham sandwich at at the end. So I think they they could have done better. I think uh, Grosjean was uh, was closing in on on Albon, and I think he he just ran out of time. But I I kind of had Haas as a as a surprise pick as the best of the rest and. Uh, you know, if he's uh, he's that they're they're disappointing me, so I uh, might have to take that that one back. And then I think we we can both agree on on this one. Uh, another loser for me, of course, is is Ferrari. They made uh, Leclerc give way to Vettel so he could try to catch up to the Mercedes, and he just squandered that that chance and it ruined their weekend basically.
1: I agree. Ferrari, I think we'll talk a little bit more about them in a little bit. But in short, I agree. Another loser for me was Kviat. So I don't really know why he was brought back. I mean, this guy was demoted from Oroso. And then he was, you know, ejected from the sport. And now he comes back. I, I just, I questioned that decision because he's not a talented driver. He's not fast and and he showed his, his colors right at the start, knocking out two McLarens in one swoop. I, I really, and I saw social media people making fun that he's, he's known as the torpedo and I think it's a, <laughs> it's a worthy name because Really, he has a knack for getting in trouble. His car control skills are lacking. I mean, I don't know what he's doing in the sport. to Be honest with you.
0: Yeah, that's 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 a good point. And uh, I don't know if you saw this uh, Lando Norris's Twitter that he, yes. he he took a he took his car and basically like set it out in outer space after he he kind of flew off the pavement a little bit. Right,
1: right, right, kind of, right. It's I, kind of funny. I, I totally saw it. And I barely. Lando Norris is, is embarking on that, which is very refreshing, I think, for fans and, and people who follow the sport to see them not take themselves too seriously, to, to be able to laugh at adversity. You know, his race was ruined. They, they had a I think they had a shot at something of both signs and himself uh, you know, they race a shot from that point on and then this guy comes online and posts a, <laughs> a meme about it. I thought it was brilliant.
0: Yeah, it was pretty funny. And and the Renault Sport F1 Twitter account is also pretty lighthearted and they, they make fun of, of other drivers and themselves as well. So that's also worth a follow. Any other final thoughts on China?
1: China has shown that Mercedes and not Ferrari, again, is the dominating force. They, they're stronger than anybody. They're quick. You know, whatever homework they had to do between preseason and the start of the season, they did and they did well. And they're very strong. Three, one, two finishes. I mean, these guys are, are going well. Absolutely. What about Pre-
0: um, yeah, I think. Hey there's no doubt Mercedes is the dominating force. Ferrari is, is, uh, is lucky if, if they can just keep being second fiddle to Mercedes. And I'm not exactly sure that Red Bull has, is going to have what it takes to be that second dominating force this year. And, you know, they have the new engine, they have a new driver and Gasly. And I think, they they have some some kinks to to work out if they were going to overtake Ferrari as that second dominating force. But uh, I think Ferrari's advantage, of course, they had a really strong preseason. They 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 were they're expecting better things out of themselves than uh, the one two punch of Leclerc and Vettel, or I guess I should say Vettel and Leclerc is uh, is a lot stronger than. Than Verstappen and and Gosley. Uh,
1: yes, absolutely.
0: Well, that's it for China. So uh, race one thousand is officially in the books, as they say, and we're gonna go off track and and share with you guys some some of some of some thoughts of ours that have been been simmering in our heads since since Sunday. Um, why don't you go first, Gabe?
1: Okay, I think one of the things. That, I I mean, I talked about this last episode. I'm going to talk about it again, and I think we're going to be talking about it um, till the end of the season, is Williams. Again, I, I think if you read what Kubica said after the race, I mean, the guy sounded pretty desperate that he's been trying everything, and the car simply has no grip. So what he says is, without grip, there's... You know, there's no magic. There's no Formula One. And, and, and actually, in reading his, his statements, I, I started to question I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm beginning to wonder whether he will even have it in him to finish the season. I mean, he has something to prove, yes, but this scar is hardly the tool to, to prove it with. So Williams is not going to improve this year. If anything, it will be for future years, but this season is shot. So I wonder, again, if Kubica has it in him to just kind of like what, what Alonso did with McLaren, you know, like wait, try it one season, two seasons, three seasons, and in the end it didn't work out for him. Okay, what what about you?
0: Well, the for a couple things have been on my mind. The first one is um, related to Williams, actually. I read an a interview with uh, Jacques Villeneuve that he gave to one of the papers in in Montreal and he essentially is just thrashing the Williams team saying it's no longer a racing team that they are now sh- they have shareholders and they're more interested in turning profits for shareholders rather than being a racing team and at first you know it's it's the interview is obviously in french and i read the something on on the, on a racing news website that was in english and you know it was just a it was a Google translation. And I was like, no, wait a minute. He really did say all these, st- all these scathing things. And so I asked a friend of mine who's from Montreal and was like, Hey, like is is this Google translation, like pretty accurate? And she said, yeah, that's essentially what he said. And so it was just, it was just shocking to see that, you know, even granted, it's been 20 plus years that Villeneuve has been around the, the Williams team, but I mean, without the Williams team, he wouldn't he wouldn't have the celebrated racing career that he has. Um, I would expect a little more 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 reverence from him to to Williams, but I think I, I, I don't disagree with the guy. He's right. Williams is just a shell of of the team that, that he raced on. So that's one thing on my mind. Another thing too is uh everything that I read in in post race coverage from Red Bull, from Christian Horner, he's just going on and on about Max and how he drove the wheels off the car and this and that. And you know, here's poor Pierre Gasly putting on soft tires with two laps to go to get a to get a fastest lap, and he doesn't even get a pat on the back from the boss. So it's 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 obviously this is this is now Max's team now that he successfully booted Ricardo out of out of there, but. Um, to, to not see the, the leader of the team recognize one of his drivers for, for that accomplishment was was pretty telling to me as to who gets the keys to the kingdom the rest of the year.
1: True. True. And it's pretty sad because Gasly is just coming on, you know, like what, what, how hard is it to say, hey, good job, you know, you're doing a good job. Even if the other guy's the first driver, that's fine. That's how the sport goes. But at least acknowledge the effort because – they're pretty quick to criticize when he doesn't do a good job. But when he tries something new and actually accomplishes it, no mention, right? Yeah, so exactly. Now, what what about Ferrari? I mean, I've been itching to talk about this stuff.
0: I was going to say, I think we, can, we could probably have a, an entire episode dedicated to this. And if we wanted to, we can probably come up in uh, every post-race episode. But yeah, this this Ferrari team order nonsense has it's just it's it, it's got to go. Like I said last time, let them race. We're three races into the season, you guys don't even don't even seem to to have your race strategies together compared to Mercedes, and you know you're you're more worried about team orders and who who's driver number one or two let the guys race and 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 duke it out and maybe when you get halfway through the season and things starting start to become a bit clearer then yeah you can start giving out team orders and saying hey hey Leclerc guess what you're 40 points behind Vettel in the in the championship and Vettel has a shot at catching up to the Mercedes or it or could be vice versa because Vettel got p3 this time but uh, he hasn't exactly had an easy season so far before that. so, But uh, until then, let them race. Let them race and figure out who's who truly is number one there.
1: Yeah, I agree. I mean, uh, Leclerc had a brilliant start with all his merit. And, okay, Vettel was kind of boxed in behind both eyes. Fine, but it doesn't matter. Leclerc found a way, saw himself in third, that it was not faster so much so that when he passed he could not pull away it, it, it just it is just uh, so frustrating this, this kind of stuff the only thing i think redeeming is leclerc doesn't seem to be and we talked about this before that he doesn't seem to be accepting this lightly you know like other drivers have other ferrari drivers have done in the past so he pro- protests. is like, why? I'm pulling away. He, he questions them. And and it's good that he does because he's a talented guy. He's fast and he's showing that he can be just as fast as the other guy. And I think what's worst is a guy of Vettel's stature having to, to count on team orders to beat the new guy. You know, that is very telling and it is very lame, actually. Because i mean if you're if you're if you're this four time world champion why why do we even need team orders he He is in a position that he could say, "Hey i guys, I don't need this. I'm faster than he is, so it this will not change. We'll see more of this and which will give us fuel to talk about them more <laughs> in the future
0: we're both of us are so we're both old timers when it comes to 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 the sport of F1, and so, in a way, it's reminiscent of Senna and Prost and, uh, and the '88 McLaren, where you know Senna was Prost knew how to play the political game of Formula One better than Senna, until Senna realized that, hey, I kind of have to to play some of this too to to get my way to to a certain extent, and Leclerc will get there. He'll he'll realize that you know he's a talented driver he's but he's gonna it's not just about about talent unfortunately in the sport and the other thing that cracks me up about leclerc is that when you listen to the team radios and they say oh let let vettel through let vettel through and he's like why I'm faster and they don't have an answer for him <laughs> it's, it's like it's like when i tell my toddler you know do something and she's like why <laughs> because i'm telling you to <laughs> right right yes. and it's just kind of cracks me up that he's questioning things but they don't they don't seem to have an answer and so i i remember i had a professor in college, a chemistry professor in college that he didn't know how to explain why a formula was set up a certain way so he would say don't question it just accept it <laughs>
1: <laughs> and, and that's exactly what what irvine Barrichello, Massa. you know we have a long String of, of drivers that just, at least not publicly, but even if they questioned it privately on the track, they still followed. So then comes in this guy and he's questioning it. They're like, oh, oh my gosh, what, what do we do? This guy's questioning Timorda. You know, so I don't know. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah, exactly. Is that your uh, Matthias Binotto impression?
1: <laughs> yeah, not a very good one. I'm not very good with accents. But anyway the outlook for the next race azerbaijan
0: oh you mean the poor man's monaco <laughs> uh, i i thought right. of that earlier when i was writing the when i was writing some notes for the show and i just could not wait to say it live but yes poor man's monaco for me it's a hard race to handicap um it's you know this is only going to be the third one the previous two were were won by exactly who you'd have expected to have won there were no No huge surprises, I think, other than last year was kind of a kind of a messy race. You had Grosjean not being able to, you know, losing control of his car while trying to keep his tires warm during a VSC. And and then Max and and Ricardo decided that they were just done with each other by lap 39 and just bump into each other and, and call it a day, which is immature on on, on both of their parts. So we'll see what happens this year. Um, we clearly have a leader of the pack coming into the fourth race of the season, but it's just like Monaco is just such a narrow track, not a whole lot of overtaking opportunities. And, 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 and so it's kind of a, anything can happen situation, especially if it, if it rains, It's just a difficult race to handicap. What do you think?
1: I think this one is is actually interesting because it's a street track. It has one of the longest straights. So that provides for overtaking opportunities. The inside of the the track is narrow, but it's not as narrow as Monaco. So I, I feel like the drivers sometimes feel that they can still create overtaking opportunities which causes collisions which causes emotions you know which causes <laughs> a, a chaotic and unpredictable Grand Prix and I personally I I, I kind of like it you know when it's not like a little procession of the Mercedes the Ferraris the Red Bulls it's it's nice to see a little uncertainty other than when when it rains so I'm hoping that we'll see a little bit of that again this year in Azerbaijan.
0: Yeah, it's always a treat when you don't have that predictable 1 through 6 kind of like we had starting out in in China and pretty much how it finished in in China. So let's hope that uh, your your outlook holds true. Anything else on your mind?
1: But that's that's it for me.
0: Sounds good. Well, that's it for us then. If you are on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, check us out at GP is our handle. And if you have any questions, you can drop us a line there or you can also shoot us an email, offtrackgppodcast at gmail.com. And again, we're now on pretty much any podcast platform you most likely have heard of. Some of them uh, you may not have heard of. And that's it for today. We'll catch you guys next time.